You've tuned in to the Beyond Hope podcast, your access to success strategies and more to help you survive and thrive through your loved one's addiction challenges while you move onward and upward with your life. Now, here's your host, Shar Jones. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Shar Jones, and I'm the host of Beyond Hope. Um, And I'm also the mother of an addict. So I understand, I understand what it means to love someone who struggles with addiction. It has been a very long journey for me, but I have gotten to a place of hope, uh, beyond hope, which is kind of the ironic twist to the name that I think really hope is where the healing begins. And on the other side of hope is life and joy and love and all these things that are no longer contingent upon the recovery of our addicts. So what I'm hoping to do with this podcast is bring to you so many people that I respect and admire, experts within the industry of addiction and recovery, who who have so much valuable information to share um, with me, with you, with all of us. And in addition, we'll be bringing you some stories of hope. And hopefully some laughs, maybe some tears along the way, but it's going to be all good. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to this journey with you. So before we get started, let's go ahead and take a listen to this message from one of my sponsors. I recently read an article that said 81% of Americans would like to become a published author. Chances are you're one of them. I know I am. So what's stopping us? Well, for me, it's a lot of hard work. It's time consuming. It's painful and expensive, right? Not anymore. For my next book project, I'm teaming up with hassle-free books, and they are making it so easy for me to become an author. They're removing all the fuss and struggle and making it smooth and simple. And it's far more affordable than you could ever imagine. Go to hasslefreebooks.com and use the promo code SHAR to receive a 10% discount off of any book project. Get started right away and you can become a published author in as little as 45 days. And don't forget to send me a copy of your signed book, please. What are you waiting for? Get your story out there. Visit hasslefreebooks.com promo code SHAR today. All right. Thanks again for joining me and let's go ahead and get started with today's show. Melody, hi, welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. You and I have only known each other for such a short period of time, but I feel like we built a really quick connection, and I'm just so grateful to you for joining me today. Oh, me too. I so appreciate it. It's exciting. Me too. I'm, I'm so really excited good. for what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited for what you're doing too. You had me at Hope Dealer. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we uh, kind of dive into your pers- personal story and your message of hope, I would just love to invite you to take a few minutes to maybe introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit about yourself, if that would be okay. Sure. So I'm Melody McCoy, and I'm from Yakima, Washington, born and raised. I'm married. I've been married for 29 years. I have three children. My oldest, who is 29 years old. She is three years clean and sober, which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my middle child is 25 and he's just kind of entering the recovery world. Mm-hmm. And then I have a 10 year old. Oh. So <laughs> my life is pretty challenging with older and younger mm-hmm. kids. I have three granddaughters and three fur babies that are spoiled rotten. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and I am a realtor. I am a writer. I'm an artist and I do that kind of in my spare time. And, um, <laughs> for work, I kind of throw in the rest of my projects. Um, I'm the founder of Hugs for Hope and I'm a survivor of life. I, and like you said, I'm a hope dealer. I love that. What are your fur babies? <laughs> I have a Shih Tzu and a Toy Yorkie. Aww. And I, they are my purse buddies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Fun. I, I have a dog and I'm obsessed with him. So <laughs> I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Their unconditional love is fabulous. I love right. it. <laughs> they absolutely can teach us a thing or two. Um, yes. I was just thinking about like, for me, there were so many times throughout my daughter's addiction when I just didn't know if I was going to make it, you know, I just felt truly hopeless. And my hope with this podcast is to connect with even just one mom out there who may be in that place of darkness. And I just was hoping that you just wouldn't mind. I'm just going to turn it over to you. If you just wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your journey and maybe how it, where, where you were in the beginning and how, where you, where you're at now with, with what you've learned and what you've experienced. Sure. So I've actually been on this pathway of addiction with my older children for almost eight years. And they were best friends. And so they kind of led each other into that world. And of course, you know how addiction works. They actually aren't even speaking to each other at this point. So it has totally torn the family apart. Both of my children have gone down completely different paths. My daughter She was doing things like residential burglary, and actually, I had found out about it on a Facebook post um, where some people were talking about these individuals who robbed their house, and you know, I'm commenting on there. They hope they find them and lock them up and throw away the key, and little did I know it was my daughter they were talking about, and so there's been very you know, some pretty serious times. And she actually was incarcerated and for uh, some other things, theft and whatnot, several different times. And then um, towards the end of her uh, path down addiction or with heroin, and she was kind of a multi-user heroin and cocaine. And she... um ended up getting busted for residential burglary and she was facing prison time. She was incarcerated for several months and they, the judge was kind enough to let her do a residential DOSA program, which is drug treatment and you get credit for time served. And um, she was going to do that. She was scheduled to get out of jail 
and on a specific day and another police department here in town um, that's kind of on the outskirts was there to pick her up. So they took her from Yakima County Jail to Wapato, which is a very small, maybe holds like 50 people and it's very, not very updated. And so, and at that point she was pregnant with my third grandchild. And so she kind of, kind of hit her that, and she had said that she'd been begging God for months, you know, to remove her from that life. And so that was kind of her wake up call. And she, uh, by the grace of God got clean and has been clean for three years. And she has a lot of pride in being clean and she's enjoying, you know, doing average daily things like paying bills and gets excited over, you know, spending her money on things that matter instead of every bit of money, you know, she'd have a hundred dollars and she'd spend two dollars on gas just to get her to the drug dealer's house and the rest of it on drugs and you know, never had a roof over her head. She they lived in their car. It was a pretty sad pathway. And then for my son it's been kind of a lot different because he didn't have a significant other who was using with him and, you know, kind of taking care of him. And so he's kind of been on his own and he was homeless for a while. I would see him roaming the streets, just uh, very sad. He's got so much potential. He's a military kid. He, you know, just smart as a wit, but different, kind of a different pathway. He's down now. He's kind of a, hooked on pills and opioid medication. He does a lot of doctor shopping and, but he gets, he, he gets a lot different than she did where she would stay away from me. And I would, you know, go weeks without knowing where she was or if she was alive or with him, he was right in my face. So it was super tough on me because not only was I battling with my children who are addicted, but I was also diagnosed with cancer in 2010. And so I was going through cancer treatments and chemo and I was honestly, <laughs> I had more focus on my addicted children than I did on my own life. And so it was super hard for me. It exhausted me. I was sick. I couldn't get out of bed and you know when I think back on the whole situation I had lost myself in their addiction I mean I didn't even care if I survived a deadly disease I was more focused on getting them better and I think that it really took me just hitting a point where I had to realize that I couldn't rescue them. They didn't want to be rescued. And so I couldn't rescue them. And so I had to learn that for the protection of my own emotional body. And I almost, it's like I had to change my perception of, you know, from the things that I hoped, the things that I hoped would happen to being more open to like, 
the experiences of whatever actually happens. And so I guess if I was to talk to one mom out there, I would say that you have to take time for yourself. If we don't take time for ourselves, we can't fill up that cup that we need. We don't, you know, we have to build our strength again to go back into battle. But to remember, you know, it's not our battle. And just to, you know, be able to, I hear a lot of moms say, how do you distinguish between enabling and tough love? And I'm not a believer in tough love. I think that love should be nothing close to tough. It should be one of those easy things. But there is a fine line between between enabling the addict and loving them. And I have found that in loving them, helping them to find a purpose, that's all they need is a purpose. They need a purpose to refocus. They need to, and, you know, just helping and guiding. I mean, we don't know why they became that addict. It could be something very traumatic that happened in their life, or it may not. We don't know that. But, you know, just moms, remember to take care of yourselves. We can't, we can't fight a battle if we're not strong. And the other thing is, you know, to find your passion. Find something you're passionate about, and you'll find that when you get down and you're beat up by the actions of your audit, that if you have a passion, you can refocus on that passion. You can kind of focus your energies into something more productive. Maybe it'll make you feel better, build you up, obviously give you strength because when you're dealing with addicts, it is a constant battle. I I get really frustrated at people, moms, who say I'm you know, I'm giving up on hope. And that just saddens me because hope is something that is always alive. Always alive. It, it's and one of my favorite things is that hope is not a wish, it is a belief. And we have to believe in hope. Mm. That's so good. I haven't heard that before. That is so good. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, moms, we have to, we just have to take care of ourselves too. We get lost in the addict and their behaviors. And it gets to a point where there were times where I felt like I was living an addict's lifestyle. I've always joked around with my kids and told them that I have a master's degree in FBI, CSI, <laughs> um, you know, all these degrees that I never thought I would even need to have. But when you have an addict, I don't know, as me, as a mom, I became a constant investigator. <laughs> I was... <laughs> so true. And so, yeah, it's, you can get lost super easy in that world. And, you know, another thing I I think about is I have morals and values and I taught those to my kids when they were growing up. They have those. Um, When they're in addiction, they've 
those kind of go by the wayside. But us moms, we have to stick to our morals and our values because even through their addiction, we have to show them that we still have those morals and values and, you know, we don't accept anything less. And so, you know, just, yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough battle. I can't tell you how many nights, days, um, I was having panic attacks, just like all these mothers talk about. Mm -hmm. And I just had to learn to refocus my energy because we're not doing anyone any good by being anxious over our children's choices. And so we need those hugs. We do. And I find too, it's like I, you, you get to a certain point where everything that you were doing before to survive, like nothing, nothing works anymore. Everything stops working. And all of a sudden you just realize that you just, you're just as desolate. You're like, you look around and you're like, your relationships are, are impacted, your career, your health, you know, and your addicts are still out there in their addiction. And for me, it's like, there were times where I just felt so alone, where I just looked around. I'm like, nobody's really there anymore because we don't even mm-hmm. see what's happening to us along the way. And, you know, you don't even realize that there's another way to live. You touched on this a little bit. And I just want to say too, like, I'm just so grateful you're here. And I'm just so grateful that you're sharing your story, but you've been through so much and I just honor that. I just, I'm just, just grateful, grateful to have you in my life and grateful that you're sharing your voice with us today. When you were talking, I'm grateful to be here now. (laughs) Are you in, are you in remission? I am in coming up. January will be seven years cancer free. Wow. It's incredible. Um, it, yeah, it actually is kind of a really bizarre story because when I was a little girl, my grandmother died from breast cancer. And so I'd always kind of told my doctors, you know, there might be breast cancer in the family. And then when I got pregnant with my 10 year old, they told me when I was pregnant that they diagnosed him as trisomy 18, which is a genetic error. And those babies never live outside the womb. And so they kind of were trying to talk me into aborting him. And I just, my husband and I were like, you know, whatever is supposed to be is going to be. And so I carried him full term, you know, worried that he was going to die when I gave birth to him. And when he was born, he was born perfect. Mm -hmm. And he's 10 now. But I did some research and come to find out when you have genetic cancer, the BRCA gene sits on the 17th chromosome and the trisomy 18 uh, gene sits on the 18th chromosome. So they're real close to each other. And I think that they probably mixed it up and I would have known back then that I carried the cancer gene, but I didn't find out. Um, I went through quite an ordeal. I went through two years of them trying to figure out what was wrong over here. And then they transferred me to Seattle and within 45 minutes of being over there, uh, they found that I had two tumors in each side. And so I 
started treatment and yep, I lost all my hair. I got real sick from chemo. I was actually diagnosed stage four, which is super uncommon for people to survive through stage four, but somehow in between being diagnosed and till now I've had I had twelve surgeries in the last seven years. And I survived. So and I did it chasing around two addicts and wreaking havoc in the dealer world. (laughs) I was one of those moms who you know (laughs) Yeah, no fear. I figured, you know, I'm diagnosed with cancer. I don't have any reason to worry and oh yeah I went face to face with I thought I could tear them all down but it doesn't work that way <laughs> I just cannot believe what you've been through and you are definitely a gift and you're here for a reason and uh, my gosh I'm just I'm just incredibly grateful that you are still here <laughs> my gosh kicking and sw- oh, kicking you. and swinging the whole way you mentioned something about your dad what did he teach you Yes, he taught me that, you know, in life you have to fight back. And, well, I fight back. (laughs) (laughs) You You touched on this a little bit and you touched on your daughter a little bit. And I just, just to, for, I'm thinking about, you know, anyone who might be listening who hasn't made their way yet to, recovery. Um, Maybe they're early in recovery or they're still active in their addiction. And maybe you can just talk about this a little bit more about how different her life looks like uh, from, you know, her, her darkest moment, her darkest hour in her addiction compared to where she's at now with three clean, three years clean and sober, what, just a few days ago. Could you just talk about that a little bit? Yes, she actually has, it's been a tough road for her. She um, got married and had my oldest grandchild when she was young. She was about 18 and got divorced shortly after. And then she kind of reconnected with an old schoolmate. And that's when it kind of went downhill. My oldest grandchild, she was about, I want to say she was about two and a half, three years old. And I had gone down to their house and things were not like I thought they should be. And so I took my oldest grandchild and brought her home. And my daughter was fully in agreement. You know, she was busy doing drugs. So she was in agreement to that and and then she you know she just never really fought to get out of that world and fight for her daughter so um because i was sick i was diagnosed with cancer my doctor would not release me to have custody of her so my f- parents um have custody of her at this point mm-hmm. And then the, her and her significant other had a child. That child was taken from CPS, I think when she was about three months old. And she actually was adopted by 
her significant other's parents. And it's kind of a touchy situation, but I don't get to see her a lot. And she lives right up the road from me. The youngest one was after my daughter. She had kind of started getting into recovery. She was going to a program and met a guy. She got pregnant and then went back out in the streets. And then, like I said, she got arrested for the residential uh, burglary. And so um, she was facing, I think it was 18 months in prison. And she, you know, she told me that she spent days just begging God to take her from that lifestyle. She was sick of it. She'd had enough. And she tells me to this day that he answered her prayers. He snatched her right up and threw her in jail and made her face some pretty serious charges. And, you know, she got some clean time on her uh, under her belt and she kind of took a look at herself and was like, I just, I don't like this person. And she said what really scared her was the thought of having a baby in prison. And so she made up her mind she was going to get clean. Um, and it was hard. It was super hard at first. I uh, Some of the hardest things I had to do, She, I had kind of told her that, you know, in order for her to get clean, she had to do something different. And so she got accepted into the women's shelter. And I had to drop her off there. And it was right in the middle of town where all of her drug cronies were. And I dropped her off and she was pregnant, seven months pregnant or so. And I remember driving away just bawling, Mm. thinking, oh my gosh, how can I do this? You know, I'm leaving her in the Mm. middle of downtown. Mm. She has no car. She's pregnant. She had no phone. She had nothing. All of her belongings had been towed off in an abandoned car several times, so she really had no belongings. And so I dropped her off there, and, you know, I remembered when I was driving away crying, and I remembered thinking, she'll never, she'll never make it. And I am so proud to say that she has totally proven me wrong. She wakes up today and she caught, we talk on the phone every day. We are best friends again. Mm. That's one of the most fantastic things that's happened. You know, she'll call me on the phone. She'll be like, you know, mom, I am so excited to go pay my power bill. She's (laughs) like, because (laughs) it's power. She's like, I've got a roof over my head. And then once I pay my power bill, I'm going to go spend the rest of my money on food. How exciting is that? You know, and, I'm thinking, oh, I dread buying groceries. <laughs> <laughs> and she's totally excited over it. But yes, it has been the most amazing transformation. To hear her today say, I did this, it was a bad choice. All my choices were bad, and those are not choices I want to live again. She's like, I'm sorry, mom, you know, because we had some terrible fights where it was always my fault. Mm. And so, you know, just her words are so powerful. I remember thinking to myself back when she was using how just her words were, they had no meaning. They just 
half the time I didn't even listen to what she said because I knew it was all lies. And mm-hmm. so today to hear her speak and every word she speaks is nothing but truth. And she will tell you that she was in the pits of hell. And she has risen above that and she is excited. She is parenting. She's actually having visits with all of her girls. I have pictures of, you know, her and her girls together again. It's just, it is an amazing transformation. She, she's excited. She owns two cars. She has an SUV and she has a car and Mm -hmm. she's like, how many addicts, you know, have two cars and (laughs) amazing. And is she she active in the recovery community? She is. um, She is actually enrolled in college. She's on her second year, going to transfer to Central Washington University next fall. And she originally went in to be a chemical dependency counselor. But she really has an interest in the mental part Mm. of addiction. Mm -hmm. So now she's changed her major and is going to become Dr. McCoy as a psychologist. So how amazing is that? I just got the the chills. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just take a minute to say, wow, like... I'm so proud of her. I can't even imagine how you must. I am too. That's incredible. Yes, it is. I am super proud of her. Every day she just keeps progressing more into that, that woman that, you know, when your kids are young and you dream for them to be. She's just letting us know that it's possible. And all those things, I think, start with hope. And I just, you, you, we have to, because I want to make sure that I'm respectful of your time. I could talk to you forever. I want to make sure that you get a chance to talk a little bit more about some of the things that you're doing right now. So Hugs for Hope, tell us a little bit more about that, but also tell us a a little bit about your book. Okay. So Hooks for Hope is just a program that I kind of did while I was receiving chemo. And it's primarily based around um, breast cancer support. And any women who are um, going through uh, breast cancer treatment, if they contact me through either my Facebook page or mail or phone or whatever, I would send them out a package. And what I did was um, I made some little scarves. So it was like a little hug. And when they were getting treatment, they could just hold the little hug, you know. And I don't know. I When I was receiving treatment, it was like so, so awesome for people that just sent me these little gifts, you know. And it might have just been the most simplest thing, but it just meant so much to me, you know. And it was like, so I just want to be able to have women who... You know, when you are diagnosed with cancer, hope is kind of far from your thoughts. And so I just want them to know that there is hope. And so that's what uh, Hugs for Hope is kind of based on. And I've kind of, I had a ton of people that I've mailed out packages to. And then I kind of took a small break because I was thinking of changing it up a little. And so I started writing a book. And now my thoughts are once I get the book the book published is that 
I will send the book out to the cancer patient. And in the book, I kind of hope to bring them. It's kind of a humorous, hopeful, just kind of a upbeat kind of lift up kind of book. And it's nothing huge or anything. It's just kind of a shorter, shorter. I actually meant it to be kind of to make them laugh. Mm. Laughter so is important. Yeah. And so, and I'm working on the book. I have, it's been in editing mode for probably longer than I should, because once again, I'm one of those people who overthinks my thinking. <laughs> and so eventually <laughs> I hope it'll come out of editing and get published. And then I will mail them out a copy of the book. And the book is called Boob <laughs> Babble or Bust. <laughs> and it's just kind of, <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, some boob talk about other women who might be in the same situation I was. I uh, had to have a double mastectomy. And so I tried reconstruction and none of it worked. And so it's kind of a sensitive subject with me because I was very, well, I loved my hair. I had super long hair and, you know, I, I like to look good. And so it was super hard for me to kind of deal with the fact that I would not have any and my hair would fall out. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> I have handfuls. So, yeah, so the book is just kind of to uplift women going through treatment and, you know, to let them know that even in our darkest times, whichever those dark times may be for each individual, it's so different, but that never give up on hope. It's kind of the anchor to our souls. So, so beautifully said, you will finish it. And I love what you're doing there. How can people find you then? So it's hugs for hope with the number four. Can they just join your group or how does that work? Yes. Um, so you can find me at, it's at Hugs for Hope and the hugs is with a Z on Facebook. Um, you can email me, hugsforhope at yahoo.com. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Melody, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I can't wait to hug you in person. And just your vulnerability here today, I know is going to touch someone. And I just want to just express my thanks to you. Oh, I, you're so very welcome. And thank you for doing what you're doing. I think it's really important that moms have an outlet because it is very challenging. And I just am so inspired by, you know, I have always had this secret dream of being a talk show host on a radio. And so you're just like a rock star girl. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I am totally just trusting my path here and hoping not to to embarrass my family or say the wrong thing. I'm just I'm just trusting my trusting my path here today. So thank you for saying that. And I hopefully we'll talk again soon. And is there anything else you want to say before we close? Never give up on hope. Right. Right. Hope is everything. Uh -huh. It's. I feel like it's the first thing to go and it, 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 
the kind of the beyond hope thing is like hope is just the very beginning. Like there's so much more on the other side of that. So if we, we yeah. can hope that's just the very start. And I love that quote that you mentioned too. And like, I always say it's like where there is life, there is hope. And I think that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Melody. Sure. Thank you, you and have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so, so much for tuning in and for helping me to connect with other moms of addicts or loved ones who are struggling with addiction in their lives. If you have questions for me, comments, suggestions on future show content, or perhaps there's a topic, a specific topic that you would like to hear from an expert in the field, I would love to hear from you. I am also interested in sharing your voice. So if you have messages of hope or personal stories that you think would resonate with our listeners, please send me an email. You can type me out a message or you can include an attachment um, to an audio clip with your voice. You can send that to Shar at beyondhoperadio.com. And with that, thank you again and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Beyond Hope. For show notes and more, head on over to beyondhoperadio.com. A huge thank you to recoveryinnovators.com and James Healy. Thank you so much for putting up with me (laughs) and for helping me to um, produce and launch the show. I couldn't have done it without you. You are so awesome. And to anybody else who has been considering uh, working with James, highly recommend him. Please go over to his website and check it out, recoveryinnovators.com.